Hello and welcome to the Galactic Court podcast. Um, I'm Andy and I'm your host as each week we discuss all the latest TV episodes, films, games and whatever else takes uh, our fancy from the worlds of Star Wars, Marvel, DC and anything else nerdy and geeky in between. Uh, if this is the first time you found us, uh, then please feel free to follow us on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. Uh, I'm also on Twitch and on YouTube as well. Um, on Twitch, I tend to game a couple of times a week doing sort of nerdy Star Wars games. Um, and I'm going to be venturing into a few of the bits and pieces. But you can find all the links for us um, in the episode description. So give us a follow and make sure you're there for each new episode as it does come in. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about Marvel's Secret Invasion Episode 2. Um, and I'm privileged to be joined by not one, not two, but three amazing guests today, all from the same show. Uh, their podcast is incredibly popular, and they cover everything from breakdowns and analysis to theories and predictions. Uh, their banter together and their knowledge of their weekly subjects is what keeps their podcast constantly on the rise. Uh, so please welcome to the show from the amazingly named Why So Studious podcast, but David, JD, and Caleb. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Guys, welcome to the show. How are you all doing? Wonderful. So good. Thanks for having us. Just this amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Excited to be here. It's a, a real privilege to have you guys on the show. You guys have uh, have got a, a great podcast, and I've known you guys, about you guys for a little while and started uh, listening to you, and I've seen mm. you appear on a couple of other podcasts that I've been lucky enough to either be listening to or appeared on myself. So I am genuinely really privileged to have you on the show. And I've never had three guests on before at the same time either. I've had mm. two before, so to, to have three, three of you in the mix to make it sort of a, a good, rowdy discussion, I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, to our conversation today. Nice. Yes, sir. Um, so we're going to be discussing about uh, Secret Invasion, episode two that uh, came out yesterday. Um, but I wanted to um, fire a few questions at you guys first, just to get to, to know you guys a little bit better, to be fair. So um, you guys have, have been doing this podcast since the start now. I mean, you've got about, um, was it 80 episodes that you, you've got about now <laughs> um, that, that you've done? So why did you decide to start a podcast together? Well, um, you know, I, I was talking to... I think me and Love and me and JD were kind of both talking over the years for a while. Um, I know me and JD had had early talks about just a hypothetical situation. Hey, maybe one day we'll start a podcast. And I know Love and I pretty much had the same exact discussions, kind of just loosely, though. And I think it was, what, we've been doing it for almost a year now. So last spring, I think we kind of all were just like, should we just should we just record? It was with Kenobi. Uh, the Kenobi series was coming out and, you know, we're just like, let's just do it. Let's just hop on. We'll record real quick and just see how it is. You know, it sounds like something fun. We've got plenty of useless nerd knowledge that's <laughs> useful in our world here, uh, in our heads that we can, you know, utilize and throw out there. And it's just a blast to do. So it's like, you know, why not? Three, three good friends. We've known each other for a long time, grew up in the same town and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's like, you have these, these nerd movies coming out and it's like, it's such a unique fandom. It's kind of cultish and it's really fun to talk about it. So it's fun to get, get together and nerd out about it. So we figure why not like get that creative expression out and just kind of put out a podcast, see if other people want to join the conversation with us and, you know, just a journey of something that we love to do. Hmm. Love, what about you? What keeps you coming back every week to do a podcast with these two guys? Definitely not these other two guys. It's the topics we talk about. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's definitely like, 
you know, because you just work and go home and work and go home. And it's like, I want something more. I want to like have fun when I get off work and talk about the things I love. So that's what keeps me coming back, especially when a new movie or a new show or even like a fun, random topic we're going to talk about. I get really excited like the day of like, this is going to be a great time tonight. Hmm, absolutely. So if you can each go in turn and just sort of tell me a little bit about what your nerd credentials are. Um, you know, what did you read or watch growing up? What are you sort of into nowadays as, as a more, we'll call us all mature adults, shall we? <laughs> yeah. right. I think I that's like the it. best way to describe all of us nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with you, JD. You know, what was it you're into as a kid? What is it you're into nowadays? Is your taste change at all or do you still sort of go down the same path? Well, as a kid, it was definitely the animated Batman stuff I watched growing up big time. But when I really got into it is when the uh, the Iron Man came out and then you learned that the Avengers was coming out. So at that point, we were already in like in high school, right out of high school. But seeing everything come together on screen with all these different characters, I think really pushed me deep into that nerd, uh, that that nerd demographic. Back in the day, I also loved Lord of the Rings. It's still my favorite trilogy. But um, that Avengers coming out. It's still probably my favorite theater experience ever. Like watching that war when they invade with the Jatari, Hulk smashing Loki. So after that, I really got into comics too. And I've been reading comics ever since for the past 15 years or however long it's been. And David really got me into Star Wars. So as we're, I think, like back in the era when Avengers and Avengers 2 is coming out, really pushed me into Star Wars. I was more of a casual fan there, but really got deep into Star Wars, comics, movies, everything. Game of Thrones, read the Game of Thrones books, love it. So yeah, I mean, pretty much everywhere. I'm covering a wide set of bases there. What about uh, what about you, Love? I'll definitely go Star Wars first. That's my my first love. Representing, yes, yes. Revenge of the Sith. My favorite Star Wars movie for sure. Yeah, um, and then right, and then second would probably be Game of Thrones or Marvel. I really do like the Game of Thrones world, and can't wait to see more of it in House of Dragon and the other shows that are coming out in the future. Nice. What about uh, what about you, David? Yes, yeah, Star Wars was probably my first, just because. So I'm the youngest. I got two older brothers, older sister. Uh, my dad saw the first Star Wars when it came out in theaters. He was never a sci-fi fan until Star Wars, you know, A New Hope came out, and he watched it twice in the same night in the theaters. He stuck around. He loved it so much. Um, but yeah, my oldest brother, big book nerd. He read all the Legends books and stuff growing up. So we had all these Legends books laying around the house. And, and we had the you know original VHS tapes of the original trilogy of Star Wars. So that was probably my first nerdy thing. And then my first own venture was Lord of the Rings, for sure. Uh, mm. When Fellowship came out. I mean, I'd read The Hobbit <clears throat> as a kid already. But uh, that, was, that was my first <laughs> me and my friends kind of real nerding out that, was, that stemmed from us. That wasn't Star Wars being passed down. Um, mm. And those two are pretty, I think I still put Lord of the Rings at the top of that. But um, yeah, Spider-Man, when that came out with Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. that was kind of my first introduction to Marvel, um, which was great. And I didn't, and X-Men, X-Men and Spider-Man coming out. I watched that, but I never played, I never read the comics or anything like that. Um, I watched the animated Batman and X-Men series. Um, but until JD, he got me to read, which I didn't even remember getting him into star wars so that's just beautiful uh but he got me to read what was that first comic series you got me do you remember was it astonishing x-men or batman and robin it was i think it was batman i think it was batman and robin so it got me into that then we went to injustice and ever since then i got hooked and for during during quarantine of covid i was reading comics constantly all the major runs secret invasion all that stuff um so he got me hooked to comics i had never read a comic in my life until Mm. probably three or four years ago 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely uh, representing on the Star Wars Hill, as uh, as the listeners of my podcast know very well, as you can see behind me. Uh, plenty of <laughs> plenty of Star oh, Wars yeah. stuff knocking around behind me. So, um, <laughs> don't hate me for this, guys. I'm personally not a huge Game of Thrones fan, um, well, simply because I've fair. never actually got around to finishing the series, the TV series. Oh, um, how long? How long? I think I'm. I think I got to five or six, maybe the end of season five. Oh, you got through the good stuff. Um, Might be a good jumping off point. Yeah. <laughs> Simply because my my partner at that particular time, um, we used to have trade offs on TV shows we wanted each other to watch. Got it. So I traded off with her to watch the Flash TV series, um, oh. and she traded off for me to watch Game of Thrones. Um, um, so at that time, though, yeah, I don't know why. I can't remember why I didn't get further than series five, but I keep seeing a, a lot of it popping up on TikTok at the moment. So it might have to be something I pick back yeah. up and uh, and give another watch and give it another try. Were you a fan of the Flash TV show? I was, to be fair. I'm two uh, two series still behind on that. The last two series okay. I haven't actually me, got around to watching yet. Me too. Oh, okay. I, the last thing I saw was uh, Savitar. Oh wow! So you're quite far behind then, to be fair. Yeah, I liked it, but I kind of I'm not I'm not motivated to continue. I don't know. I, I think I got basically up to where they did the um, Crisis on Infinite Earth sort of big event crossover, and then the end of Arrow. Um, that's basically where I got to with with everything else. So I don't think I've even finished off like Legends of Tomorrow. I've not finished off Flash yet. Um, okay. wasn't that wasn't too fussed about Supergirl to be fair, and um, sort of went in and out of that one, but. I, to be fair, I, I've always been an uber nerd for that kind of stuff, and I've kept track of it quite for quite a few years until recently. Um, okay. I don't know why I've gone off the board a bit the last few years, but Star Wars has always been my mainstream. I'm definitely the the one that everyone goes to to ask any any sort of knowledge about. I'm always nice. the one there that's got it on the on the tip of my tongue. And um, I grew up reading comic books. To be fair, far more Marvel than I did DC. Um, I mean, the Flash and Reverse Flash are my two favorite characters from DC, so I used to oh, mainly concentrate okay. on their books and stories. So I, I know you recently did a review of the Flashpoint comic as well, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a huge fan of that and the animated film as well. Um, I think we kind of use similarly on the film, sort of like maybe mid yeah. sixes in terms yeah. of like you know rating. I liked it. I liked so. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, JD liked it more than us too. Me and Caleb <laughs> yeah, were closer was, to the just, six and sevens, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got one of those um, like limit, uh, limitless cinema passes. Um, oh, yeah? So, so I pay like 15 quid a month, which is what, like $20 or something like that, and get unlimited cinema trips in it every single month. They, um, they took that away from us. Oh, we really? used to have that over here. Um, they used to have movie a monthly movie pass like that, but they don't offer it here anymore, at least in California, around where we are. <laughs> uh, that's not a thing anymore. Man, I'd totally sign up for it. That's going, yeah, because I've I've been to see um I saw the Flash twice, went to see Transformers, um, went to yeah. see that randomly that Jennifer Lawrence film, No Hard Feelings, that's just come out. So oh yeah, I was like I want to go to the cinema. <laughs> that's the only thing I haven't seen. It's um, free, yeah. And, and then I went to see Indiana Jones yesterday as well. So, Ooh, well, spoiler think? free. What did you, I've heard some not great things. What did you think about that? I, I don't want to get too far it's, off. But... It's a little bit better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay, um, but okay. it's not. I mean, I've watched all of them recently in preparation of going to it because I'm going to be reviewing the the, the show as well. So, um, okay. but I had out because you know, I had in the original trilogy, um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade to me are the top two. I oh, didn't actually sure. rate Temple of Doom very highly. I thought mainly because the woman in it just screams the entire way through, and it's so annoying. <laughs> oh my god! Um, well, it's so obnoxious. But then uh. I, I sort of yeah, you know, we all know Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was sort of bottom of the list. So rough, yeah. Dial of Destiny. 
where does it slot in? It's beneath the top two, but maybe above. I'd put yeah, middle of the road for me. Okay. Um, okay. It's not bad. Not bad. So yeah, I'm off. I can't oh. anything else till next week now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 just worth going for it. Yeah, you know, Indiana Jones wrapping up his storyline. So it's uh, nice. it's not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Because um, we're talking MCU today, you know, what is it for you guys that you love so much about the MCU? Because um, you cover obviously quite a decent amount of it um, on on your podcast, because it, obviously it's pure popular culture nowadays. But what is it about the MCU exclusively? Not you know, forget the comics or anything like that. But what is it just about the the cinematic universe that they've created that you guys love so much? Well, for the first few phases, I think it was the characters and how it felt like they did a good sci-fi where you could they fit into the real world pretty well compared to justice league where it's pretty fantastical, but they were characters that you could relate with depending on the character and seeing how they interacted with each other, with their flaws and how they ended up getting along or how their how it led to conflict and how they were the first ones to develop that big interconnected universe. It was a ton mm-hmm. of fun. Right. Yeah. I'd have to say the, the one thing I love is the thing that's starting to kind of, screw them over and it is the connective tissue like they were the first to ever pull that off but now it's getting so big and so wide that they're like they're not doing the best job anymore as when because it was simple before and they could pull it mm. off and now it's it's getting a little complicated yep yeah i uh it was just the interconnectedness really that got me that was really getting me the most hyped you know seeing thor's Mm. hammer in the post credit i mean just like oh my god they're actually doing this and they're doing it well they're really actually connecting the avengers and they just did it so flawlessly and it was so fresh and although it's not totally grounded yes it's thor yes it's you know it's a it's a god it's a, a super soldier serum that's been you know frozen under ice but it felt grounded. Like Caleb said, it's gotten so cosmic, which I don't mind. I love guardians. I love a lot of the cosmic Mm -hmm. stories they have to tell, but it's just gotten, I'm still excited for the future. I don't want to come off too negative, but it's just gotten Mm kind of all over the place. And I'm very over the whole multiversal phase and the time traveling and the quantum stuff. I'm ready to get back to some good old grounded Spider-Man daredevil, Mm -hmm. you know, type of stuff like that. But that's what brought me in first was just the excitement of this. It was the first thing ever done like this with movies, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, we, we have got some grounded stories coming up because so there's going to be more Spider-Man. We're getting things like Echo and Daredevil, um, which obviously we're getting the Punisher in as well, which I'm super excited for because I'm a huge Punisher yes. fan. Um, you guys obviously won't know this, but on my stomach, I've got a tattoo of the Punisher done as a Sith Lord. <laughs> no way. Um, it's kind of like my, my Marvel Star Wars crossover. <clears throat> I had a dream basically one night um, that the the Punisher was a Sith Lord. He was hunting down Jedi, and he like decapitated Luke Skywalker. And I woke up and just went <laughs> to there was like a local tattoo shop that did really geeky tattoos. And I just said to explain it to this guy. He drew it up. We got it tattooed on my stomach. So oh, very, that's very awesome. random. But yeah, I've got a lot <laughs> of love for the Punisher and the, and sort of I really love the antiheroes myself. So I, I, I agree a... with you in terms of the um, the time travel element. I'm, I'm sort of mm. done with that. There's too many sort of bad things that can be done with that. But I am loving the multiversal side of things. Not okay. in terms of they're going to bring back random characters that have already died off in terms of just to see like Robert Downey Jr. on screen again. Mm. If they did that, it would just be that would you know, that's just doing it for, for sentimental sake. That's not going to really add anything to it. And it's going to be right. cheapen the sacrifice, I think, that they made with you with Iron Man anyway. But right. I do love the whole multiversal side of things. Loki was, I think I had him at number two on my MCU phase four ranking list. 
because yeah. um, you know setting off the whole multiverse and the way that they it can go. I'm really excited to see that, especially when we've got Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars coming up. Agreed. I agree with that. I think we all love Loki. Um, and yeah, yeah, I you know, you know, yeah. I guess we'll see. I yeah, it's mm. just the the. I'm ready for groundedness, but I, I I can see why you like that, and I love the setup of Loki and Kang and the. I mean, No Way Home is my favorite Spider-Man movie, mm. so maybe it was nostalgia and whatever the case. But the multiverse has brought us some amazing stuff, and it's still going to with Secret Wars. But I'm definitely ready for a balance. <laughs> Yeah, across the Spider-Verse and into the Spider-Verse show that multiverse stuff can be done really well. Just Marvel has, seems to kind of lack in the storytelling and the emotional connection with the audience there. Hmm. Oh, I mean, everyone got, talks up. Oh, sorry, carry on. So I had a question. You're a huge Punisher fan. Have you read the Garth mm. Ennis run? I have indeed, yes. That's a good one. Really good yeah. one. One of the most famous Punisher runs as well, isn't it? So that is a right. very, I think that's a very well-loved Punisher run. Yeah, they didn't pull yeah, any punches. I am um, I, probably one of my favorite Punisher comics. To be fair, if we're just going to dive into that for a moment, is um sort of the alternate universe one they did, where they did the little series of someone kills the Marvel universe. And they did like a Deadpool one, and they did Punisher kills the Marvel universe. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but it was just like a one-off, like Ultimate Universe type thing, where um, basically, you know, he has the story of of when he's in the park with his family and they get killed when there's sort of um um a war going on between i think it's some, some of the different superheroes like maybe the x-men and i can't remember off the top of my head name maybe it was the scrolls as well to be fair um and his family get wow. caught in the crossfire and he decides that all superheroes have to go there isn't a single <laughs> one that can be left alive and he basically spends like the next 50 years um going through various different scenarios where he just basically kills off all the superheroes and the very first one he kills <laughs> off is spider-man like, oh. he, doesn't, he doesn't give any of them any explanation no. at all. He like basically found Spider-Man in a sewer, beat the crap out of him, and then just points a gun in his face. And Spider-Man's like, "Why are you doing this?" And he doesn't even answer him. Just pulls the trigger. Boom! Oh no! Um, <laughs> That's and, and he, so sad. He goes through this like years of like, and he gets caught by the police and put in prison. But then he's broken out by a consortium that like wants to help him achieve his goal. Um, and he basically manages to lure almost all different uh, superheroes and supervillains to like the moon and then nukes them all and kills them all. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and basically like the last one that's left is like Daredevil. And he, he doesn't oh. know that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And in like outside of superheroes, Matt Murdock is like his best friend in real life and his lawyer as well. And they basically okay. come like they're having a final showdown fight. And they're having that sort of like moral talk that we've seen them have. And we saw them having like the Netflix yes. series as well. Um, and he's like, I don't care. All superheroes have to go. And he's like, reveals right at the end that he's Matt Murdock. And the Punisher's like, I'm really sorry, but it doesn't matter. Kills him. Oh, and then, and then he's like, <laughs> and then like, okay, so you've killed every superhero, supervillain in, in the universe. And he's like, nope, there's one person left. Turns the gun on himself, kills himself. Oh, and that's the end God. of the comic. Oh Sorry, I've despoiled God. it the entire thing for you. Um, yeah. But even That's just insane. the impactness of it, it's just like I said, it's just a one-off like alternate universe story that they did. And they like yeah. they did one for Deadpool as well, like Deadpool kills the, the Marvel Universe, which was a bit more of a comedic one. But if yeah. you want a hard hitting comic <laughs> to read, find that one and Holy just give it a read. Just jumped to the top <laughs> of the list. It just blew my mind. That was a roller coaster in itself listening to that. Like but, um, oh, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, definitely worth a read. It's like a one-off. But if you like the Punisher, the Punisher series, he's just kicking ass in that one. So yeah. he just doesn't doesn't take anything from anyone. Just he's like, I'm done with you all. See you later. Damn, <laughs> mark that down. 
How's it uh, kill jumping Thor? Back into, uh, jumping back into our subject of the week then. Before <laughs> right. we properly dive in into the episode and have a chat about it. Um, obviously, we've been promised by Marvel that there is going to be a big reveal that someone big in the MCU has been a scroll for quite some time. Um, I, I chatted last week in the opening episode that I think, you know, a lot of people are, are pinning Rhodey to be the one that's going to be the big scroll reveal. Um, I think that's a bit of a red herring, personally. I think it's too obvious that they're going to do Rhodey because he's been put into this series. But, bef- you know, what are you guys thinking? Who are you sort of pinning down as being the big scroll reveal? Uh, Caleb, who, let's go with you first. Who are you thinking? I kind of agree with the Rhodey thing now because. I want to see someone who was a scroll, who's been a scroll for a long time. And Rhodey had to be Rhodey at Endgame. You know, there's the Tony funeral mm. and all that. If that wasn't him, that's going to be pretty messed up. You know, like yeah. Rhodey wasn't there for Tony dying. Um, It's hard to say, like the big scroll reveal. I think, I think the president is a scroll. Like we think we talked about in the episode one. I think the president, um, I don't think Nick Fury is one. No. I was kind of thinking maybe someone from the Mar- Miss the Marvels movie could be a scroll. Mm-hmm. Trying to tie tie that in with this and Captain Marvel one. Interesting, interesting theory. JD, what about you? Um, so I, I thought Rhodey because he was. It seemed like he was way too happy to fire Nick Fury, like it was personal, and he enjoyed doing that but then again it might be the red herring thing it seems too obvious because it it was clear it seemed way out of character um i think val uh ross's wife she's controlling Hmm. she's gonna have a lot of control of a lot of superheroes i think damage control we we saw the dna of all those different things damage control is obviously going into like you know stark tower and cleaning up every superhero fight mess and i think that's the scrolls are collecting dna through damage control and we saw that she's the prime minister of the UK and the other big positions. So nothing's off the table, but nothing would be that like who else is even in the show. So we don't even know who's going to show up. I don't, I wouldn't want a cameo just to show that they're a scroll. Cause then mm. that would just be confusing. Like, okay, so are they a scroll from the last day or two or have they been a scroll this whole time? So, and we don't, we haven't seen Val in the show yet. We, there's probably a lot more characters we have yet to see. But I think damage control will be a big reveal and Val. Nice. I like those shots. What about you, David? Well, I think Rhodey is a scroll, but I don't think that's the main one they're talking about. And I'll just say real quick, he called Fury Nick in this episode, and that's been the main giveaway every time. You <laughs> all everybody calls me Fury, not Nick, not Nicholas, not Nicholas J. It's Fury. And at the in the episode he called him Nick. So immediately I was like, that's a scroll. Um, but I think I think Val will be as too. But as far as major reveals go, so they said this. Did they specify that this was going to be in the show, or did just in general one of our you know MCU characters from over time is going to be revealed at some point? I think they said it will be revealed in the show that someone okay. big in the MCU has been a scroll for quite a while. Okay, I'm going off uh, the top of my head of my memory there, but right. Uh... Could yeah, be, I wh- what what if, what if it's Wong? Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Wong. No, it's not a bad one. Uh, he has yeah. been appearing in every show since Phase That's four. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who? Else? No one else yeah. would be surprising. Randomly. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, also with the Rhodey thing, by the way, it would make too much sense because, as we know, Rhodey was played by a different looking actor in Iron Man <laughs> one, and then it was a different looking guy for Iron Man two. So Martin he did shape shift. <laughs> he Martin did shape shift a bit. 
You Art Lawrence to put on. <laughs> what? Yeah, what, what, whatever his name is. <laughs> In Iron Man one. Oh. <laughs> I now I can't remember. It. No, why? Why can't I remember uh, his name Terrence, now? Terrence, Terrence, Terrence Howard. Howard. There you go. Terrence yeah. Howard. Yeah, he just comes Lawrence back for too. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll just stick with the boring thing. I think it's hmm. uh, I think it's for sure Rody. I don't know who else other than Rody and Val. I've developed a theory over the last few days that randomly popped Ooh. into my head, and it's been work, sort of churning around in there. But okay. this whole thing about potentially someone from Agents of Shield TV show obviously made me quake coming into the show because mm. Marvel okay. put on the on the on sort of like the road to secret invasion things that you need to watch. They put. Agents of Shield on their list on on Disney Plus. So you need to watch this before Secret Invasion. Ah. Um, so that brought the whole debate back in of how canon is Agents of Shield because it started off as canon, it then veered off, and <laughs> it wasn't canon, and now they bring it back into the fold. And it's been a heavily rumored that Quake Daisy Johnson is going to be appearing in this TV show somewhere because she's got a connection to the obviously to the Cree, and right. so then why not obviously connect that to the Squirrels as well? So maybe she shows up, and it's going to sort of give everyone a big thrill because they brought this character whether it's the canon version of or the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. version that we know, but the same actress playing her, bringing mm-hmm. her in, but she's a Skrull. Okay. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't know why that's just popped into my head. Um, well, it's a big theory well, running around that Daisy's coming back yeah, yeah. As, as Quake. Um, but would you yeah, guys be surprised? Huh. Well, they said it wasn't for a second, but I'm just saying, would you guys be surprised? Because there's not a ton of connection to that character with a general audience. I feel like if she came back, it would just be like a Oh, you know, okay. And then if she's a scroll, boom. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess she's a scroll. You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, I don't think it would have a big impact. Hmm. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they changed her to be a mutant rather than an inhuman. That would make um, sense because they're not really having too much of the inhumans in the MCU at the moment. Um, because they kind of laid them to rest. It seems within the Feige MCU. doesn't like those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, she was. If you did watch Agents, she was by the end of it. She was the focal point. I mean, yeah. really, she, it was it was surrounding her throughout it and watching her evolve and you know adapt to her powers and get stronger and stronger and all that stuff. But I, I would be down for it if it's done because again, the budget dropped on Agents of Shield. Uh, Winter Soldier's entire deal with Shield becoming Hydra kind of mm. ruined the entire path that show was taking because Shield is no longer, and that happened. What season two, I believe. So it was season one actually it was half season, season one. one. <laughs> but is that not what kicked off the show into being good though? Because kind up, of up yeah. until then it was basically like your typical villain of the week thing. They're sort mm-hmm. of building up as a team together. They're not quite yeah. there yet. And then boom, Hydra happens in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. They connected it really well to that TV series. That's true. And it that did. what kicked yeah. off the show into sort of pushing on to another level. Yeah, it it forced them to actually write a story, mm. like for this season, rather than like you said, the villain of the week, just cameos and Easter eggs here and there, but kind of all separated. So yeah, that's, that's fair. Well, I, I think my theory maybe falls down on her, you know her being a scroll because if she's going to jump onto the screen and and make an appearance in the MCU, they're going to want her to have her powers, and she won't have her True. powers if she's a scroll. So meh, my theory maybe falls down there, but it was just something that popped into my head: is like, are they going to introduce her? And but she's going to be a scroll, and maybe at the end of the series or the last episode, she's freed from scroll control and kicks ass, and who yeah. knows? But yeah, yeah. I like I it. Know. I think all three of us said Rhodey at one point, so <laughs> at least you're throwing out a you know an alternate theory. <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about Rhodey later on because he's got some obviously interesting scenes with Fury in this. But let's start at the beginning yeah. of the episode. So, yeah, we start off with a flashback to, to 1997, a couple of years after the events of Captain Marvel. 
Um, you know, we've got Vara introducing Fury to a young Gravik. Um, and you know, Fury and Talos um, are doing their sort of pitch to the rest of the scrolls that you know, we're going to do our best along with Carol Danvers to find you a new home. But in the mm. meantime, I need your help here. It's going to mean that you're going to have to take, you know, the faces of humans for the time being to blend in. But, you know, you do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. And interestingly, you know, pretty much Gravik was one of the only ones to not turn into a human during the scene, sort of maybe pitting early on that he didn't really trust Fury or he didn't trust what they were saying, saying to him. But I like the uh-huh. fact that we had a sort of flashback at the start. What are you guys thinking about the start of this episode? I loved it. I I thought it was great. I, I liked because um, I'm I'm in the middle of a rewatch of Captain Marvel, anyways. So then we we saw young Samuel L. Jackson, you know, again <laughs> Nick Fury. Um, I loved it. But my favorite part of this whole scene was uh, Talos, man. His his speech about Fury. It set up so much of their relationship just in this quick flashback scene of how much he truly trusts Fury. Like he's willing to bring the survival of his species over here and tells them it's because of this man right here. And it's like, damn, their relationship is stronger than I thought it was. It's more deep, you know, and I feel like it's going to set up even more heartbreak by the end of the season with that kind of setup. But I love that they're really taking the time to set up emotional stakes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that with this scene. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, it really worked when they zoomed into Gravik's young face and then turned into the present day when graphic is here in the mm. middle of all these explosions and kind of the effect that had from a very young age and what it turned into. So that worked really well. Graphics becoming a good villain. Yeah. Definitely got yeah. an edge to him, isn't he? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great setup for his character. Cause I was talking about after episode one, I like him so far, but he needs some more backstory. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we, um, we obviously get the opening sequence just quickly, you know, where do you guys stand on the whole fact that there's this like AI designed um, sort of, you know, opening credits? Where, where are you guys falling on the supposed controversy of people not being happy about it? I'm neutral. I'm not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I skipped it this episode. I skipped I, the intro. I skipped it as well. I skipped I, it. it too, it's yeah. different every time, though, right? It Probably. is different it every time. At, yeah. And it does tell reason- a story. Exactly. That's the point I was going to bring up is it does tell you about things that either happened towards the end of the last episode or things that they're describing in the new episode. Like uh, right. uh, when Fury, well, we're going to get onto it in a second, but when Talos and Fury on the train, he's talking about the scrolls that left the planet after being decimated by the Kree. You sort of get a little AI shot of this, of a planet with a load of ships leaving it. And sort of uh, when it sort of morphs into, into Earth, that's then like half green, half the planet that normally is. So whether it's AI designed or or what's going on with it for sort of you know, the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. It's it's still interesting because it's telling part of a story or telling us stuff that's going to be coming up in the episode. So it yeah. could be giving hints to what's going on, which I think is quite interesting because not a lot of title sequences tend to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm pretty indifferent to it, but it it's kind of bad <clears throat> timing in the middle of this writer's strike mm-hmm. to have like, you know, an AI intro when there's people out there trying to fight against AI taking their jobs. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we got this intro by AI. I wonder if that's why they did it. They just needed to come up with something quick because of the writer strike. Well, I heard it wasn't purely AI. They hired VFX artists to work yeah. around the AI that they actually that the AI created. So they actually did hire people for it, but also used AI. I I'll check it out for you know that was a good sales point. Game of Thrones actually does that towards the later seasons, and I really enjoy that. I think, and these guys would probably agree. I'm just kind of over the top anti-ai so that's probably (laughs) it's probably going to be something that i just immediately pull out of but 
that does intrigue me. So now I'm probably going to have to watch them. I think as well, they said last week um, that it was partly to sort of give this um, feeling that, you know, the scrolls are different to mm-hmm. to humans and they're sort of taking over and, and sort of doing everything behind the scenes. And that was the whole idea of having an AI do it as well. That's different to yeah. humans doing it. It's going to be a different thought. So intriguing yeah. reasons behind it. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of people agreed in the middle of a writer's strike, maybe not the best thing even if they still hired <laughs> other people to uh to to flesh out the the, the credits still so right uh, but then we get past that and we get onto this sort of um this this scene where you've got taylor and fury are on a train escaping obviously what's happened in moscow um and fury gives us this sort of long-winded speech which has been likened to his speech to captain america in in the winter soldier when they're in the lift going down he's like my granddad used to yeah. you know, carry a gun in his bag and he didn't Likes people didn't trust them. It tells us the story of when he was a kid and having to sit in segregation on the train. Um, but you know, his his mum used to play this game. And it was telling me something I don't know. Um, and she basically used to use this as a way that if he told um, sort of like an outrageous lie, she knew that there was a bigger lie hiding behind that. And he uses this to get some answers out of out of Talos in terms of you know what happened with the the Scroll War and where did those scrolls go. And Talos admits. Yeah, a million of them came to earth basically behind Fury's back. He didn't tell him about it, um, and they have a bit of an argument. And he basically tells him to, to to sling his hook. This was an interesting conversation to learn a bit more about. Obviously, the fact that there's a lot more scrolls around than we thought there were. <laughs> right? Oh my god! You know, did, is this putting a wedge between their friendship now? Because Fury was pretty pissed off, wasn't he? So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's, that I, scene was. Yeah, go for it. You got, you got it. it. That scene was so good, dude. The emotion behind it. And you could understand each of their sides. Like, Talos, they all need a home. And Nick Fury knows that humanity can't even get along with each other. Another species comes down is just going to add fuel to the fire. So, um, yeah, yeah, they just displayed it so well. That was that was a great scene. Dude, I, I probably have the most to say about this scene specifically because there was so much stuff in it. Um, not only the fact of, uh, yeah, that, that call back to the Winter Soldier and everything, but he finds out there's a million scrolls, which is, you know, pretty crazy. And he says, um, humans can't even coexist with each other. You can't bring them here, which at first it's like, oh, he's not wrong. Like he's 100% not wrong. And then I started thinking more about that and was like, well, that's kind of, it kind of gets back. Now, obviously the scrolls don't just look different. They are also dangerous because of the abilities they have. But they were fine with letting the Asgardians come to Earth. That <laughs> didn't seem to be a problem. Those are aliens too, and they gave them an entire new Asgardian. And now, so it's almost kind of like it seems like it's uh, kind of nodding at you know bits of racism and xenophobia and stuff like that to where the scrolls are like, no, you you know you can't live here with us, even though they let the Asgardians come in. So I kind of thought about that after the episode, thinking like, well, there's already aliens here. But the Asgardians can't shapeshift, obviously. So it, it's slightly different, but um, I thought that was interesting. But the main thing, real quick, is Talos says, you've been using us, you know? You've been using us as your spies and your errand boys. And it clicked, holy shit. This is why Fury is the greatest spy in the world. This is why everybody is so afraid of him. And like Fury knows everything. He knows every single thing. Because the man has had shapeshifters working for him since the 90s, infiltrating <laughs> governments, infiltrating everything. And it just clicked like, that's why. Scrolls in the MC were the reason why, really, Fury is the greatest spy in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely Team Talos. Like, 
just after what you just said. And Fury's had 30 years to try and find them a home. You know, on this, he's on this giant space station. He could travel around the galaxy. I mean, the, he could have asked the Guardians of the Galaxy to help him out. Anything. There, you know there's yeah. a planet out there that the scrolls can live on easily. Mm-hmm. And he's, I guess he just, he hasn't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, put him on nowhere. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems like he hasn't been keeping up his end of the bargain. Like he's been focusing on the Avengers and Earth and kind of not putting the scrolls to the back seat. Like, you know, that when, mm-hmm. in time, when the time comes, I'll take care of them. But it's not my first priority. Does it maybe raise an interesting point that if he's had all these shapeshifters for 30 odd years um, that have been obviously building up his network and, and obviously helped by the presumably build up S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Is it to then his detriment that, or is it maybe just because we're sort of having to rewrite things as we're going through the MCU because of this interconnectivity that Hydra wasn't found out earlier? Because if he's got a bunch of shifting ah. spies, how did they not find out about Hydra before? Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Great point. You're, you're not supposed to think that deep in, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's intruding it by great point. point. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a very great point. Well, and thinking about that, too, it goes back to your question about the major reveal of somebody we've known for a long time will be revealed as a scroll. Well, Fury did start the Avengers, and if he already had access to the scroll, Hawkeye, Clint Barton, scroll, calling it now. <laughs> calling it now. <laughs> Natasha's alive. She was a scroll the whole time. I would have said her, but she didn't change green when she landed on the ground. Oh. On a, yeah. <laughs> that would have been crazy. That would have been, right? That would have kicked off some theories as they just showed her there and it was all just green and she turned into a scroll at that yeah. moment. Damn. Yeah, that would have been terrible to be fair. But... Hey, I wanted to, to ask anybody who's read the comics. Um, he he T- Talos mentions Emperor Drogas. Hmm. Is that a? I don't recall that name. Um, he was probably in the Secret Invasion comics. I just can't recall what that was. Okay, so he was a main character in Secret Invasion. I comic wouldn't call him a main character, but there was that mm. Doctor Droge, or like yeah. it, was a, it was a super similar spelling. But he was the dude who was like in who charge of super experim- yeah, experimenting on all the powered people. Yeah, so yeah, he was just a doctor in the comics, though. So apparently, he's Emperor. They could play oh, okay. that well, but yeah, okay. I mean, it's interesting that they call him an emperor and they said that he's got his own colony. So, you know, and we'll get onto it later on about the fact that Gravik is obviously then made like the war general. So even though yeah. they're sort of like a, a disbanded race and there's not that many of them left really throughout the universe, they seem to be still sticking to their sort of hierarchy of how they do things. They haven't completely right. folded and, and anything like that. So it's interesting for them um, in yeah. terms of what that guy, if if that's really going to have any meaning, or it was just a throwaway name to link maybe a bit of this comic story to, to obviously the TV series, even though they're not really going to be too similar. Well, yeah. I wonder if there's a big bad that Gravik is working under. So they would have, they would have their emperor to have us, you know, that overarching uh, big bad. Mm. Yeah. That is the only other possibility of really mentioning the name in there and throwing that connection in there um, outside of just being it, you know, a, a, a nice little Easter egg. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes in the future. Yeah. Um, but then in this episode, obviously the emotional hits keep on coming because next we end up and see Maria Hill's body is now in London and it's going to be shipped back to America. Mm. And Fury gets basically berated by Maria Hill's mum in the fact that, you know, she would follow him to the gates of hell if he asked. And yeah. that sort of really seems to hit Nick Fury in, in, in the heart a little bit. So the emotional sort of baggage that he's probably carrying around from this, and can I do, 
anyone that's listened to my podcast always knows I have a bone to pick with how the fact that not enough people are killed off in the MCU, really. Yeah. You know, um, and the fact that anyone that is killed off has to have a sort of big emotional um, death scene or the, or the way that they're killed off has to be for like a big one for the cause or they're a martyr for the cause. I love the fact that one, we got a decent character killed off in the first episode. Two, they stuck with it. As we now know in this episode, everyone was like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Yeah, we know that she's definitely dead. But three, mm. it was kind of a thankless death. She wasn't going out saving anybody in a big way. She wasn't doing anything to sacrifice. She just got shot by a bad guy. And to right. me, that's something that the MCU was sorely missed for a long time. It was one of my big gripes about the ending of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like, mm-hmm. no one was killed off when we were expecting people to kill me. Everything's wrapped right. up in a tiny little bow. Yeah. So to have someone that is of significance for the most part, to the MCU, killed off in a in, in a way that doesn't really mean anything. They were just yeah. killed by a bad guy, you know, at that time. So, do you think that's hitting Nick Fury worse? Is the fact that she hasn't really, in his eyes, she hasn't really, while she's do, you know doing stuff for the cause and helping him, she's died for nothing in the end because it was a guy that was trying to hurt him and not her. Oh yeah, yeah. that has to mess you up. Like that has to. It's not only survivor's remorse; it's mm. it's your fault. Like, it's not just you survived and they didn't. It was directly caused because of you. Um, I, yeah, no, I like, I'm obviously, I like Maria Hill. So it was a bummer, you know, losing her. But for that reason, it was like, good. This show is doing it. This show, this is what we wanted. It's bringing back that gritty vibe, that Winter Soldier vibe, and there's stakes to it. More more important than anything, we have stakes. I, I agree with you on the Guardians thing. Multiple fake out deaths that kind of, you know, it was like, just do one of them. Um, so yeah, that, that was refreshing as horrible as that sounds. Hmm. Yeah. Nick Fury needs a death to avenge, right? That's going to set him on his path to redemption and figuring the scroll conflict out. And I've always considered Maria Hill, such a good expendable character. Like she's always been great, but she's definitely there. Doesn't serve enough of a purpose where she can't die away. I thought she was going to be the main scroll. I've always thought she was going to be a scroll. Um, but it's kind of similar. If she's a scroll, it's kind of similar to just kill her off. Like just bring an emotional tie. A death always gets the fire under your butt, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, Caleb, any thoughts on uh, on pointless deaths in the MCU, or do you like a big passionate death? Well, the big passionate ones always get to me. Always get a little, <laughs> you know, teary eyed. But I do, I do agree with what you're saying. Where everything, nothing seems permanent anymore. Like in Secret Wars, we're gonna see probably some people that have died before, you know, they're going to come back for that movie. Hopefully, hopefully oh, yeah. Tony Stark. So I can stay on the podcast. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Love's out of here. If he doesn't make a return, he, he put it on the line. Nobody forced him to, uh, but it really, the, to take it to the scene, it really seemed like a kind of throwaway scene at first, but it was a great like hype speech by this, you know, Maria Hill's mom saying like, you know, she, like he says, I'm sorry, I couldn't protect her. And, you know, he's like pretty upset about it. And then she just, she doesn't even be like, it's all right. But she just goes off on him, which mm. everyone has been kind of doing to Nick. The first fury, excuse me, the first Whoa, two episodes. Scroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it, it, Fury has to come back after this now. Like he has to mm. make, he has to make this death mean something like what she said. Mm. I, I liken it to the scene in Civil War when Tony does the speech at MIT and then he's in the corridor and he's approached by that woman who she's like, my son died in Sokovia, crushed under a building that you guys exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's very much like that. And it's you know, it's pinning something on, on the heroes and making them accountable 
for for the deaths around them and right. that they then have to feel that and they have to go and change something about that to be able to do it which is you know in the end the the, mo the motivation for tony backing the savior records to make the avengers accountable isn't it so but he does uh, go uh, immediately recruit a 16 year old yeah yeah well it's 15 really isn't he that one so <laughs> yeah. it's even worse <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, I just killed I just killed a kid in Sokovia. Hey, younger kid, why don't you come over with me? <laughs> hey, join the squad. <laughs> you two can be killed just like this guy. <laughs> but um we came on then to a really, really interesting scene that reveals a bit more um about the scroll. So we have obviously Gaia takes Gravik to the meeting of the Scroll Council. As we know, we've got these sort of the British Prime Minister there, and uh, the NATO Secretary General, um Shooter McGavin. Is there yes. for anyone that knows that reference? <laughs> yeah, um, green, green, the Fox News guy, and, <laughs> yeah. and the uh, the two unknowns are sort of like the, I think the Indian lady and um, I don't want to pen a race on him because I don't know where, where he specifically was supposed to be representing, but the Asian guy that was there as well. Oh yeah, um, he does have a name. I didn't have it right in my notes, unfortunately, in terms of what his character's called, but he doesn't really speak. We don't know anything about him. Right. Um, but you know, this is an interesting scene where the the, the NATO guy is getting a bit bit too big for his boots he's like i'm the leader of nato i can have a million trips here and he's like just throat jabbed into silence pretty much um and they basically you know stage the british prime minister and gravic stage a coup and he they basically vote him in as as the war general now so in charge of of, of the scroll efforts and what they're doing on earth this was really interesting. Like I said, we get to know a bit more about the Scroll Council and what they're up to and some of the people that obviously they're taking over. Um, I've agreed with what was been said in my episode last week and what uh, one of you mentioned here about the president of the USA being a Scroll as well, because that ties in with obviously what they're doing. But I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you guys an interesting point here. Um, so we learn in episode one that Talos was part of the council before he got kicked out. Mm -hmm. So does Talos know the extent of what, the other scrolls have been doing to take over leadership roles on on earth was he in as part of this but he was just not taking it down the route that gravik was going in terms of waging a war against earth so does that bring into question taylor's taylor's um enterprise here of what he's been doing because did he know that all these important people were, were taken over by scrolls already that's a great question because yeah. if he did know, if he did know, that's, I mean, kind of pushes him more villain. But I don't think he does. He seems like such a genuinely good dude. I think he's going to stay a good dude. And I don't think he knew about how deep it goes. But then again, I don't know. I will say, though, that seeing Gravik walk into that and realizing that the scrolls have infiltrated so deep that there's a prime minister <laughs> and a director of NATO, the NATO and all that, that was, <laughs> that, was, that was a big relief for me because I was wondering if it goes as far back as the civil war. If they were the ones behind, like in the comics, they were the ones behind the Sokovia Accords, writing that legislation mm. and pushing that into effect. So you, we still don't know how deep True. it goes, but they had, I mean, they became a prime minister and who, who knows what else. So. No, I, I bet this all started with the opening scene of this episode and Fury and Talos were behind it and they did set this up and now it's gotten out of hand where they can't control it anymore. But they do know these people because it all started back in the 90s. It's going to take a while to build yourself up to those roles. So I, I do think they were involved with this at some point, but not anymore, obviously. I don't know if Fury was ever like, maybe he created the council, but I don't think Fury would have ever been a part of the actual plan to like infiltrate the world, bring a million scrolls here and start making it their own home. 
I do think, though, that Talos maybe was, maybe he not that he was a part of the plan. Maybe he did know, though, and it's kind of the deal where, look, he doesn't want his people dying, and he doesn't want Earth's people dying. Talos doesn't, he, you know, he treats Fury like a brother, but he doesn't want his own people to die either. So I feel like it's probably, he found out about what the council, or what the council was truly planning on doing and voted on, and he probably stuck around to try and be able to, you know, aim or deflect, you know, try to kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stop essentially what their plan was doing by staying on the inside, by having some power, maybe rising so he can make the final call and stop this from happening. Um, uh, but he didn't want Fury to know because he wouldn't want the Americans and the world to, you know, cause an all out war with the scrolls. And so maybe he was playing peacekeeper. Maybe he knew, but he was just trying his hardest to try and squash it before anything got too out of hand. And now he's off the council. Gravix taken over. Um, by the way, Kingsley Benadir, I believe is his last name, uh, the guy who portrays Gravik. Hell of a scene. I loved this scene. I loved his emotional takeover. I do the dude is winning me over with his on-screen charisma, but this scene was just awesome. And like you said, JD, we really find out they have their they have their claws in everything. They're in every part part of the world, and that's really what it was showing was how diverse they've spread themselves out throughout the world and have infiltrated all these places of power. So, this whole scene was awesome. Um yeah. So it was a it was a big reveal that we found out that there's a million scrolls and they were playing the game. Like, tell me something I don't know about the situation. So that's probably <laughs> another level deeper. If Talos does know, that game can keep being right. played, and he's mm-hmm. going to tell him more that he doesn't know. And Nick Fury's going to have to, right? You know, be Nick Fury <laughs> again. I, th- I think the problem is now, though, is that with all these scrolls that have been around on Earth for so long, is how far back can you go with revealing people who've been scrolls? For example, if they've got totally. this council of world leaders, as we're presuming the other two that are at the table that we don't really know are, um, you know, in position to power themselves, can you then take that to say the the World Security Council when Shield was still around? Well, right. you know, did they put scrolls? Did as he said, if Fury was involved in, in, in getting influence over countries and regions with Shield? Did he then get scrolls to to get into positions of power and or imitate people mm-hmm. in positions of power and take over them, and therefore the World Security Council of Shield was was basically the scrolls, and it was yeah. his way of being able to keep tabs on the world. You know, how far back can we wow. go now with the right. scrolls being involved? <laughs> no, seriously, it opens up so many cans of worms. Um, even with you know Everett Ross dying last episode. You know, was he a scroll the whole time or did he just, which I think it was a recent change, but still, we don't know, really. It, it brings up so many questions when these things get exposed. Do you have something on that? Well, it was just a theory that I've read about after last week's episode. That oh, people okay. said that the, the scene where, at the end of Wakanda Forever, where mm. um, he's broken out of the transport, um, for some reason, her name is escaping me, the, the Wakanda general woman. Okoye? Okoye. 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 I don't know why her name would escape me. But basically, they're revealing her that she, the, the theory is that she was actually a scroll at that moment, and she was huh. breaking him out to take him to the scrolls where they could then replicate him and take over his place. Holy crap. Because okay. that's then, because like, him being in Civil War and the two Black Panther films is the general, is the, is the proper Everett Ross. But then at the end of the film, he's taken by Okoye, who is a scroll, or is imitating huh. Okoye anyway. To be able to take him to New Skrullos, uh, put him into those chambers, those those chambers where they can take take over his position, and so it's just been a recent change. But that was a theory that I read oh, after last week's snap. I like that. That now I got to think one, of every rescue mission. That makes me wonder. The only thing is the Wakandan technology is so solid, and they're like, 
their senses are on point and stuff that might make Wakanda look kind of weak. If a scroll can actually infiltrate Wakanda of all places, how do they even get in? But then again, the scroll, maybe the scrolls are just that form. They never got, they never got in though. Cause Everett was, was where was say, he? He, he, he wasn't in Wakanda, was he? Yeah. No, he, he was in America. He was in the US. It was a scroll. Okay. Well, you can imitate her without infiltrating Wakanda itself. Right. Like, you know, she came over to the States and she was in, I don't know. I don't know how close you have to be up, but they, you know, they, cause in Captain Marvel, they, they took people's identities, just seeing them on the beach for a quick second. They just didn't have as detailed as memories as they now have, because they're doing that whole process where they're, you know, hooking them up to the brain machine, but they still were able to imitate somebody just by seeing them real quick. Hmm. Let's, um, let's move on with the episode. So I'm going to cut a little bit out cause I'm going to combine it into one in a moment, but we'll go to Rhodey being called before this summit of world leaders. Um, you know, he's got this funny bit. We've got that woman from Slovakia that keeps sort of like <laughs> his answers. And he's like, I'm going to carpet bomb these bastards in a minute. I'm telling you now. Um, Dude, that was kind of squallish. That was one of the funniest MCU lines. It was to so me. funny. I was laughing. I was watching that in my hotel room alone last night, and I was laughing my ass off. I swear, Slovakia rolls its eyes at me one more time. I'm putting on the suit. Like, and even when he's on, comes out, he's on the phone to Fury, and he's like, yeah. "Is it Croatia being snarky?" He's like, "No, Slovakia." He's like, "Well, carpet bomb them." Next. They've all got him. the same thought. Uh, but he's obviously called before the summit. Um, and, you know, he's he's basically saying that it's all allegations. You've got no actual proof, especially if it's Russia coming forward with this. They can't be trusted anyway. Um, and then, obviously, he has to chat with Fury, and they go and meet up. And they have quite an emotional chat between the two of them as well. Um, so this episode is full of sort of emotional sort of chats between Fury and, and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, obviously, it's basically Brody's essentially going, look, man, I'm not going to be able to help you out on this one. You're on your own. You seem to to disappear for years and go and sit on a space station. You know, we gave you that project, but right now you're out the door because you're the main suspect in a, in a bombing that's perpetrated by supposedly by Americans. You know, you are on your own now and I'm not going to help you. And Nick did deliver this good line when he's walking out. He's like, even when I'm out, I'm in. Which I'll kind of like maybe that. is, is you know, signaling the return of the, of the Nick Fury of old that we know that's going to roll his sleeves up and, and get what needs to be done. But the question yeah. here is, you know, based on this whole this whole theory that you know, Rhodey is going to be a scroll is how Rhodey acted throughout the summit. And then in the conversation with Nick, not, not the, the Rhodey that we remember him to be. It's you know, really this is not. a Rhodey that, you know, in infinity war, when like, Captain America, Black Widow and Scarlet Witch and Vision all turn up at the compound after years of being chased by world governments, you know, he's told by Ross to arrest them. He's like, yep, yeah, on it cancels the call and then just lets him be. He doesn't do anything. He's always been mm-hmm. on that, you know, the side of the superheroes and, mm-hmm. and stuff, but this is a different Rhodey now. That, that we're seeing here. Do you reckon this is just, he's been worn down after everything that's gone on and he's just like, look, I'm just protecting my country now. That's all I can do. Or is this a scroll Brody being a bit different? I think the line that really made me believe he was a scroll when he said he volunteered to do this, like they didn't even ask him to, he wanted to, which seems so out of character for him. Maybe he's kind of been jealous of Fury kind of running the Avengers the whole time and him kind of being in the background. I don't know, but that doesn't seem like him. I I mean, Tony didn't really like Fury. Tony was sick of Fury <laughs> and Avengers. He calls him out for lying. He hacks their system, true. calls him out. He always kind of had an issue with Fury and, and Rhodey never really worked under Fury because Fury was kind of out. You know, even Age of Ultron, Fury wasn't the one leading them. He came mm. out of nowhere out of retirement and brought a shield helicarrier, but... 
So that so much, I took it as maybe he's always just kind of been annoyed at Fury, but I, I still think he's a scroll. I just, I didn't take that so much uh, for the reason to be that was the way he was acting. It kind of, I thought maybe, yeah, Tony's dead. You know, the snap has happened. All this crap is going on and he's just kind of fed up and exhausted and trying to hold everything together as much as he can. But again, it's weird because then I remember, well, I still think he's a scroll though. So <laughs> I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> There was it's a like pretty he, funny line too. Uh, if Hydra was a bunch of green guys that could shapeshift into your daddy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Rhodey's known about it for 15 years, which is also mm. ar- yeah. around the time uh, Terrence Howard shapeshifted into yeah. Don Cheadle. That's not a so this, well. It's a little bit yeah. later than that, but um, Martin Lawrence but obviously still could have been on that. <laughs> <Not> Martin <Lawrence>. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, JD, what were you thinking about this particular chat between uh, between Nick and Rody? Um, so if uh, let's see if if Nick, so if if he's not a scroll, I could see him being in character because Fury's been gone so long, and like Dave said in our episode before in our pilot review, he said he's a liability at this point. So not only did you just disappear, I don't even know who you are anymore. You've been gone this whole time. Now you're coming here, and all of a sudden Maria Hill dies. And now you're telling me there's people that might be um, my security detail. I can't trust them. So he's just like, dude, I don't even know who you are. Why are you bringing all this stuff on my plate? I got enough. So maybe he is super just fed up and he's not out of character. He's just pissed and he doesn't care about Fury, who's been gone for so long. Hmm. I think for me, what slightly confuses it is that in episode one, when we see Rhodey chatting with the president and he tells them they're out of contact with Maria and, and Fury, um, you know, president basically orders them to go and get them. He says, like, he's like, go and get them. You know, find out where they are, go and get them, bring them back. And then in this episode, he's basically like, huh. we're not going to help you. We're actually firing you from the job that you had with us, technically up on the space station. So it's... A- huh. Seems to go from one uh, I'm not sure what to make of that, to be fair. Um, or whether Rhodey was just maybe sort of having a bit of a dig at Nick, and he's like, I'm happy to fire you. But... <laughs> In previous episode, there's, you know, maybe this is why Rhodey isn't a Skrull, because the president, if he is, is telling him to find Fury and bring him in. But then in this episode, Rhodey's like, I'm um... going to cut you loose and let you go. This is his way of telling him to go and fight the battle himself, because that's, he can't bring that's him in. That's a theory. That's not a bad theory right there. That actually, yeah, yeah that could work okay. out too. Because I think the president's a Skrull for sure. So, Okay. <laughs> Hey, real quick, in this scene, was this the one where he where Fury brought up the Avengers and why he didn't call them in? I think so, yeah. Okay, so he says that he can't call the Avengers in because the scrolls could duplicate them and turn them into terrorists. Mm. But couldn't they already do that? The scrolls have been here since 97. They've seen Captain Marvel. The Avengers have been in New York. The Avengers have been in the spotlight. Hawkeye's walking around New York going to Broadway shows all the time. It's not like they're super like... You know, couldn't they just see them and do if they wanted to do that? Couldn't they have already done that by now? They've been here for 30 years. I'm guessing so in terms of, you know, maybe they've got a obviously like people. I think somebody said, oh, if they just saw them on TV, could they not replicate them? I'm not sure if that's how it works when they've got yeah. to physically see them in, up, like, yeah. relative, in a relative distance to them to be able to do that. But you're right in the fact that, you know, technically the Avengers are, are celebrities as well. They've appeared all over the, the planet and could easily be seen. But. Yeah. I think it, it just was, felt weakish yeah. as an ex- explanation to get I, around the comic differences. It was just, eh, I don't know. 
they would need their DNA if they actually wanted the powers. They could probably look like them, but if these are Avengers, right, they're always vigilant. So they would actually have to sneak in there and get some DNA, which we saw they but, got DNA. Yeah, but you can make them terrorists. You could shapeshift into Captain America and mm. just go stab some people on the sidewalk. You don't need their powers. You know, you could still yeah. make them terrorists just by taking their image on. But but you know. do you do you have to shapeshift right in front of them or do you see their image and do it later? Because if you shapeshift right in front of them, there's going to be two Captain America standing right in front of each other. Well, you just do it from an alley. You just poke okay. your head out, see him shapeshift, duck it back. Depends out. on their know. skill That's level. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not as easy as it seems, though. Yeah, I know. I know. It just, it just. <laughs> I guess maybe it's logical. It just felt like not the best explanation as to why the because right. I know the Avengers won't be in it. I get it. Yeah. I just kind of was hoping for something more. But maybe just don't talk about them. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, that works. We all well, understand. But you have to because you'd be yeah. like, why didn't anybody bring up the Avengers and calling them in for this threat? So No, yeah. you have to. And I also think they're building up to us seeing our roster of Avengers. I think in the finale, we're going to see just like they ended Civil War with Captain America's new little team of Avengers. This has to be its secret invasions, right? He's building super scrolls. Did you notice the DNA group, Cold well, Obsidian? We're going to be getting the Frost. That in a minute. Mm. Okay, that's for sure. We'll get onto that. But they're building a superpowered scroll army like the scrolls are already a threat as it is so who's going to stop them once they have powers of Groot and all that like the event we're going to have a lineup by the end of the shang chi maybe moon knight Ooh. hawkeye the new guys kate bishop uh miss marvel you know what i mean all the people who are kind of operating oh, on earth shit. they've been introducing she hulk yeah she hulk daredevil punisher <laughs> I'm not sure we'll get that at the end of you the series. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> no, I think we'll get a roster, a, a, a tentative roster. But I, yeah, I, we I, have... I guess I agree with just the fact that, yeah, it was a, a weak excuse for, for not bringing the Avengers into it. But could you not sit down on any individual person's MCU film and go, why didn't they call the rest of the Avengers in? Or why didn't right. they call their friends no, in? No, you're right. I mean, we you're get right. it a bit in the Flash movie where like Batman and Wonder Woman and everything show up together. And right. that's kind of like how it should be. Because, like, mm-hmm. especially in Winter Soldier, something like that, why the hell didn't the rest of them show up to, right. to help out all with that? Yeah. Like... Dark World. Like, all of those massive cataclysmic things happening on Earth in a major city. Yeah. If you start looking at that, it's, then it falls apart because you can call them for any individual film and go, where the fuck were you guys? Why weren't you here helping us out? You are an asshole. Piss off. I don't want to see you ever again. Um, <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> but um, in this episode, then we sort of. Uh, just to backtrack a little bit before sort of joining two scenes together, um, you know, Gravik returns to New Skrullos and he gets a standing evasion um, from, from the rest of the Skrulls in there. Uh, it looks like Guy's maybe feeling a bit left out and she follows um, Pagan, uh, the number two guy, um, into this sort of old reactor room where he chats with two scientists, you know, the Daltons, who seem to be working on this sort of big machine that we sort of get a little glimpse of. Um and then we, you know, jump, jump forward after the sort of Rodian and Fury scene. We see Gaia then sitting down at what seems to be a very old 90s computer, to be fair, a early 2000s computer, does a bit of quick research um, to, to see who this particular woman is. There was an interesting point where it said that, like, um, her pod number was something like pod 19. So maybe they've got, like, the real scientist in one of the pods and, she's, again, just being imitated by, by this particular um. woman. But this is where we see the big thing about, um, you know, she's looking at what she's doing and we see that they've got DNA um, from Groot, uh, the Frost Beast that we saw in um, the Dark World that ended up on Earth, um, Color Obsidian's hand that got chopped off in Infinity War, and an extremist soldier from Iron Man 3. 
as we know, they're clearly going down the route of creating a super scroll. Um, because we did even see a glimpse in the trailer of a scene where Gravik extends his arm out like roots. So we know they're going to go down that path and try and imbue. This is obviously what the machine is that they're building to try and imbue the the the, the DNA into a scroll to give them superpowers. Um, yeah, where it's a nice little Easter eggs for everyone to see. Obviously, those DNA bits right. in there. Um, even if some people were like, "What the hell's a frost beast?" We have to kind of remind them that that was a very random sort of after credit scene from from the no. dark world of it yeah. chasing a butterfly. Um, yeah. But you know, so how with are you the guys feeling about you know the fact that we've been given a hint now to where the end game is going for Gravik and and what he's trying to do for the scrolls? Have you guys seen the theory that I mean, those are pretty much the Fantastic Four things, right? So what if that yeah. that evolves Three. into the yeah. Fantastic Four being created from the Super Scroll? Have oh. you seen that one? Because I mean, that's kind it, of that. it was a group was like Mister Fantastic. And Constantine yes. was like the thing. Um, yes. Extremists. It's all flames. Extremists. Like human and Torch. But and I don't know about the Frost Giant. Well, <laughs> think about Loki's use of magic and like force fields and illusions and stuff like that. Like that's a but he learned that from his mom. That's not a Jotunheim but thing. What other he learned all his sorcery from his mom? We haven't seen so another Asgardian do that though. So I wonder if that has anything because to do with his it mom's because... not Asgardian either. So she taught him all that, but that I'm just saying that the the sorcery from Loki doesn't come from the Jotunheim. That comes straight from Freya. Comes from mom. That's a deep. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. They got three out of Freya. four. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's still most yeah. of the way there, but I think it's more of a link, but that, an no. Easter egg to the comics, maybe rather than saying they're going to go down For that sure. route. That's how I was thinking. About just it anyway. introduces the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. on the finale. <laughs> It was awesome, though. Super exciting to see that. And again, because we all theorize the Super Scroll after he shoots his arm out in the trailer. It's like, okay, Super Scroll right there. Scrolls can't do that. So they're obviously, but we got it in episode two, which is cool. I'm glad we're already getting the hints towards it. Um, It was just, it was nothing but pure excitement for me. It felt like a phase three kind of Easter egg reveal. I feel like we haven't really gotten the best Easter eggs when it comes to seeing like something on the screen or like, you know, from um, what is it? I think it's from Winter Soldier where he goes, Doctor Strange, you know, a kid Mm. from Bronx, you know, he's uh, Sitwell's listing off all of the Bruce Banner. Yeah, listing off all those Easter eggs. So it kind of felt like a return to form uh, with the Easter egg there. So I love that little clip. Love what you're thinking about this uh, particular little scene. He's, uh, not, he's not listening to me. Caleb, <laughs> 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 okay, what did you reckon to this uh, scene with the little hints in there of the DNA? I definitely see... I think they left things out. They they have DNA to more different... You know, maybe Captain Marvel, I'm thinking. There as could be a Captain... Yeah, as... You know, anything... Cause it's true. They, they could have more. Sorry. And if, like what JD said, damage control, they've been around take, taking up everything from different wars. They could have the DNA of any of the heroes we've seen before. Spider-Man. Yeah. I think that's a good shout, to be fair. We, we don't know the extent of, obviously, where they've infiltrated, what they've got, and, um, and what may still be revealed. Um, I think... What do you think about Gaia, though, in this sort of almost like a double agent role now because she was shook in the first episode after finding out that her mum had been, you know, her mum had passed away or been killed and Talos claiming it was by Gravik and, and his crew. 
So mm -hmm. she she seems to be doing this sort of double, double agent thing now, where she's because um, we'll, we see a bit later on as well that she calls the the police and gives out the details to the safe house. Um, right. And she was obviously giving uh, uh, information to Fury and, and Talos in the first episode. Where do you think she sits then as as this double agent? And and is Gravik maybe sort of picking up on that? Yeah, already we see from the little looks he gives her, the little side eyes that he's maybe right. sort of onto a little bit, and he's just he's doing the things that he that he thinks she thinks he would do, but then he's like, "I'm onto you already." What do you reckon? Mm. I can't tell if she's good or bad. <laughs> I can't tell. What do you think? Uh, she's definitely not in... She Gravik doesn't tell her as much as she thinks she does. She thinks right. she's like his right-hand woman, but he's he. she doesn't mean that much to him. She She's expendable to him, and I think she's going to learn that soon. And being Talos' daughter, she's always going to have that connection, and he's going to never be able to fully trust her because of that. Yeah. I think the fact that she doesn't know about that super scroll thing says that, yeah, mm. he doesn't trust her. So he already suspects her. He's using her as much as he can, probably in the long run to have uh, an edge up on Talos. I have your daughter, whether it's, you know, threatening her life or whether mm -hmm. it's having her do something. He's keeping her around as leverage against Talos. Um, but yeah, I think she's very confused, obviously, because she kind of lied about the information last episode and kind of got Maria Hill killed. Well, well they got them screwed up. The, the whole backpack thing ended up being fakes that she said she was going to paint. But then she's finding this stuff out about the Super Scrolls. So I think she's very conflicted. She'll probably turn back to her dad's side by the end of this and Gravik's going to use her in some horrifying way. Do we think there's any possibility that her mum, Soren, is still alive? Someone put this theory to me that they think that maybe she is still alive, that she wasn't sort of completely killed, and that, oh. that her death was maybe faked and she's being kept prisoner by Gravik. I don't think I like Talos it. was completely telling the truth to her in the first episode. I think it was too simple of a you know, he's like, Gravik killed her, you know, like you can't trust you can't trust him because of that. I don't think that is exactly what happened. Hmm. Yeah, she could still be alive. It's very, it's been very vague. Um, I mean, mm. he told F Fury about it too that he lost her, um, and I don't know if he'd have really an ulterior motive for telling Fury that. But it totally could have been faked. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, another, another piece of leverage for Gravik. And it, it happened off screen too. Why right. would they mm. do that? It, she was, uh, she was Maria Hill too. She was like a pretty significant scroll. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's. I don't think that Talos has lied to Fury about her being alive, but he's been shady about her death and, uh -huh. and maybe what he thinks has happened to her. But I think that maybe, you know, he wasn't there at the moment she actually fully died. And he right. just thinks that she's dead and Gravik is maybe keeping keeping her hold up somewhere and uh -huh. will use her as leverage later on. Like you say, like you said, Lava, yeah, with it killed off screen does doesn't really make sense for someone that is significant to, to right. other characters on the show. Yeah, those kind mm -hmm. of things they tend to Maybe, you know, because if you're playing a scroll, you can always replace that actress right. <laughs> with someone else. There's no schedule so conflicts here. You can make it work. <laughs> necessarily make sense to, to have them killed off screen for mm -mm. for just for mm -mm. an impact of making making Gaia turn back, perhaps. But yeah. um, So we move on to the episode to Sonia going to the butcher shop to do an interrogation um, on Brogan. Um, 
I love Olivia Coleman in this role. I think she's having a lot of fun with this, this sort of like chipper, happy, happy goes lucky <laughs> spy woman <laughs> that's that's quite brutal, it turns out. Um, you know, she's interrogating him, she chops off his fingers straight away to to double check that he's a scroll, which which he is. And then she gives him this injection that basically makes his blood boil. Um, you know, Gravit turns up with his goons and she, you know, she escapes. Um, but you know, they managed to free Rogan. Um, this is where obviously Gaia also called the local police um, about their safe house where they were going to take him and to maybe obviously make Gravit think that he'd given some info up to Sonia. And obviously, on the way back to New Squirrelus, you know, they basically kill him. Um, like I said, I've loved seeing Olivia Common in this little role in, in the, the, the two episodes that we've had so far. And interesting that, you know, they've developed, maybe not surprising, they've developed this serum that they can inject into people and make their blood boil. Maybe a bit similar to the extremists, uh, to the extremists, oh. um, you know, stuff as well that, that used to make people explode and maybe they've managed to manufacture it to a point where they can use it to a certain point without it making people explode or turning them into <laughs> into extremist soldiers. So oh. she's, she, like I said, it's happy-go-lucky but brutal British spy. What are you thinking of yeah. Sonia and, and her role to play in this series? Full umbrage she's- vibes. From Harry Potter, <laughs> Professor Umbridge, right. like, poof. She should have just used truth serum. That always works. <laughs> I, was, I thought that's what yeah. she was doing. Just ask Luis. <laughs> no, she was good. She was good, yeah. She definitely gave a creepy but very intimidating vibe. I mean, she called out the escape hatch. You know, where's your escape hatch? It's right there. Oh, perfect. Okay, I just got a hunch. <laughs> it was, like, it was a pretty conveniently placed escape hatch. But obviously, mm. it was just to you know um signify how how many steps ahead she is ahead of everything how clever she really is and yeah it's a very interesting character looking forward to her going through but uh At, whose side is she on i was just gonna ask that too because oh, she's, she's not, not on furies she's a third party she's not but she has a green scarf or a green shirt she wears so she could mm. be a scroll there's the, a lot of people who she's have green have these yeah. kind of green hasn't pointed out that everyone wearing green in some ways pretty much a scroll so maybe she's part of the emperor emperor's colony of, of scrolls right and so yeah. she's she's not you know she's not aligned with fury she's not aligned with graphic scrolls she's mm. a third party scroll that, mm-hmm. that's monitoring everything and, and seeing how they're getting along yeah i like that as, as soon as she cut off that dude's finger i was like oh Oof. marvel's actually <laughs> going there with this okay right you're like daredevil might be rated r a bunch of deadpool 3s coming out and then now they're starting to show blood and cutting off limbs it's like okay maybe uh, maybe they've listened I... to us the past five years it's, it hasn't been amazing <laughs> for the like adult audience really because they've always done a pretty good job at making it good for both but not really the last four years in my opinion with the exception of a couple movies looks like they're going yeah. there now I think they must have gotten away with that because it turned into an alien limb once it got <laughs> chopped off. Like I was like, dang, I don't really see the full thing happening in an MCU thing where you just see it, the limb cut off or the extremity cut off. And like that was that, that you know, you knew she meant business. Also loved fake Gary Oldman, uh, the one who couldn't get the job done before. I dude, I thought <laughs> it was Gary Oldman at first. I was like, no way did they get Gary Oldman in this show, and we didn't hear about it. And I was like, oh no, it's just is uh, Gary Oldman from Wish. <laughs> I mean, there was him and his goons. To be fair, something I'm going to call out in this particular scene because that yeah, I don't know why random goons that they have doing this are always very stereotypical. Like this guy stood in front of her and he's like holding his dick and then going, get me a sausage. It's just like, why was that even needed? And then the dude that's, and then the the dude that's out there, he's about to obviously chop down on the sausage and he's shot by Gravik. 
crashes back against the wall, makes a bunch of noise with the shelves crashing behind him. But then Gravik tries to sneak through the door holding the bell yeah. as, if, yeah. as if they weren't <laughs> alerted to the fucking shot and the, and the shelves crashing down behind them. But the bell yeah. is going to alert them more than that. Yeah, <laughs> the high caliber round drilling the wall and then the guy falling and knocking down stuff. Catch that bell. It's it was just... Uh... It was just Kevin bringing his chili into the office. That's all it was. <laughs> oh my god! Two, two unnecessary things in that scene is like him stopping the bell from going off when you've already made noise, and the other random good point. goon just like feeling up himself and then saying, "Get me a sausage now." Just so over the top. <laughs> so I don't know why they're always saying, make them so stereotypical when the rest of the writing is so good in this show so far. Right. But it just wasn't needed. I'm just like I've watched it twice now. And both I'm like, why? Why have you done that? Don't need to see him fiddling with himself. And then asking for a sausage. It's just not what I expected. (laughs) It's so extra. (laughs) This isn't Um, the tracksuit mafia. That's what it (laughs) felt like. It felt like a variation. It's all the henchmen of these MCU series are just so ridiculous. It was just, it was very random, but yeah, not needed Mm. at all. Um, So yeah, obviously, you know, Rogan guy is taken away. He's killed um, by Pagon. And you know, wrongly. Get Gravik, Gravik giving that side eye again. What do you mean wrongly? He gave up information. He may not have given in the safe house, but he still told. He Sonya, did give up information. He did give information. Okay. <laughs> what did he? T- what did he, he tell he, her exactly? He told her the people that the were machine. running the science program and the machine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Super that's right. project. That's Even Gaia right. doesn't know about that. That's he bigger than a lot of the stuff. big information. That's, yeah, that was that's that's rough. That dude deserved to be killed. Let's face <laughs> okay. it. Okay. That's true. That's true. My bad. Uh, then at the uh, the end of this episode, then we you know, you know, I'm assuming Nick Fury's back in America because obviously um, Rogi had said that he had a plane sorted out for him, right? Um, but we don't know what technically what country is. Any just you know goes into a garage, gets his car, drives to this really nice home. He walks through the front door. Um, you know, we see a squad in the kitchen chopping up some veggies, um, and then when he turns the corner, you know, she's turned into what apparently is Nick Fury's wife. Technically, he's told us in the MCU before that he had a wife, but we didn't believe him. You know, Winter Soldier, when he's shot and he's talking to uh, to Captain America, he's like, my wife kicked me out. Um, and he's like, I didn't even know you were married. He's like, not many people do. And obviously, maybe if True. he was keeping, keeping that quiet, and he doesn't wear the wedding ring out when he's mm. out on missions to make sure that no one thinks he's married, so they can't go and hunt down someone that he cares about. Smart. But I think the big question here is, you know, does he know that his wife's a scroll? Ooh. Is it, and if and if he doesn't, is this an infiltration by Gravik's group or the third party scrolls or what's going on here? Was she on the spaceship with him for the last few years when he's been disappeared, or has she been waiting for him to come back to Earth? A lot of questions about the scene thrown out there now. What do you reckon? I Wait. think he does because that was the same lady from the first scene. She had the same exact voice as the one who introduced Gravik to Fury. Vara. So I'm curious yeah. if they reveal that, but. It, it was the same exact voice. It did um, look like her a bit as well, I thought, just you know, aged yeah. a little bit. But. And right. what's hilarious is I didn't even see her as a scroll. I must have missed that part of the scene. I didn't oh, know they even revealed that. So I was just thinking that's the exact voice. And some theories are out there about that, that they think that could be the first uh, scroll woman we see who introduces Gravik. And it totally does. If you, I watched, uh, if you watch the first scene again, it sounds exactly like her when mm-hmm. she's talking to Fury there. But I didn't even consider that he wouldn't know. But I, th- I think he does. I'm going to go with I think he knows that she's a scroll. Yeah, I might have been Jayden. changing a diaper at that moment. I, d- I never even considered <laughs> her as a scroll ever. But that's crazy. But if he 
Oh man, if he knows, well, if he knows, that's fine. But if he doesn't know, that would be crazy. Married her, lived with her this whole time. Well, he did the forehead nuzzle with her too. And all the scrolls do that. They put their foreheads against each other oh, okay. and they do this. They did that in Captain Marvel. They did that at the beginning of this episode and Fury and his wife did that at, in this last scene. So that was another thing. So I think he knows, but man, if he doesn't, yeah, that's a, <laughs> it would be a, a bit of a, a, an even bigger twist. If first of all, we've got the reveal that he's got a wife much in the same way that we revealed that Hawkeye had a family in age of Ultron. But then the right. fact that, you know, if he doesn't know it's a scroll, then that's that's even worse. Oh. So, and the fact that he's then obviously doing this whole thing of not wearing a wedding ring out to protect her, but she's already been got. <laughs> so, right. Brutal. But how are we rating this episode overall, guys? You know, two episodes so far, obviously, you know, we've still got a bit of a ways to go in the series. But I think this is... I know that you guys, after last week's episode, you were saying could this be a return to form for Marvel because they've been a little bit maybe down recently on, on a lot of their projects compared to obviously what we've had before. But I think so far this show has been off to a really good start. It's been impactful. It's been emotional. And it's going to be a roller coaster for the rest of it. What do you guys reckon? Well, this seems back to form to me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I'm just going to judge them on their last project. And they it looks like they're really going back towards that adult audience, kind of feel that more mature thing with us having, you know, being more connected to it. So, that's a big win for me. I'm I'm looking forward to it because we just have a lot of dark projects coming out after that that might even be rated R, Daredevil, Echo. So yeah, they might be getting back to form. I'm more confident than I was before Secret Invasions for sure. Yeah. I'm actually surprised how low the viewership is. I know there's not like a main hero in it, but it's like second lowest to Miss, uh, <coughs> Miss Marvel, Marvel so yeah. far, which is not <laughs> great. It's a but I'm, I'm, I'm always hopeful for the future. I'm an optimistic guy, so I do think that with the projects that we know are coming soon, things are going to be good again. Dude, yeah, so far, so far, so good. I mean, this, I loved this episode. I liked it more than the pilot. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching this episode. Probably going to rewatch it tonight. Um, But it was just, it's been encouraging so far. I'm not, I'm not giving them the win yet. You know, we got to see. It's only been two episodes. They need to finish this thing. They need to bring it home. But so far, it's been a great start. We've got the grounded stuff. We've got Gravik, who is a good villain so far. I really like him. And that end action scene where he's throwing dudes on meat hooks and just absolutely. (laughs) That was some of the most savage, like, close combat fight we've seen in MCU, too. Like, he was stabbing people in the throat. It was it was intense. Uh, but I like him as a villain, and I like this whole redemption arc for Fury coming in. So they've set me up for something that I'm very excited for. So I hope they, I hope they bring it home. The question that I put to you guys that I did when I previewed the show uh, about a month or so ago was that obviously Samuel Jackson himself is getting a bit older. We're probably not going to see too much more Nick Fury in the MCU anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, does it maybe? spoil it a little bit that we because we've seen the trailer for the marvels and we know that nick fury's in that does it maybe spoil it a little bit that we know he gets through this unscathed because this potentially could have been the series that nick fury stops the skull threat but he makes that he does himself make that big sacrifice at the end of it and you know leaves his character behind in the mcu um but we know that he's going to be in the marvels and he basically recovers the situation because he's back on saber back in space on, you know, and he's he's helping them out. So has that maybe spoiled the ending a little bit for us because we know he's going to get through this without any adverse effects and he basically becomes the old Nick Fury again? Or was who that knows? expected? Who knows with the timeline these days, though? Like, Miss Marvels could happen before Secret Invasion. 
<laughs> the other way they've been going, yeah. Yeah. I guess it uh, could. Or, it but we also don't know. We don't know if the scrolls will be fully defeated. What if they're going to be an overarching threat for another year or so? So the Marvels is yeah. just an episode right. in between all that. I mean, the only reason I bring it up is we see him recovered because the whole thing about Nick Fury in this series is that he's, you know, he's taken it, it's taken its toll on him from the right. thing like that. He's not wearing the eye patch anymore because this is a Nick Fury that doesn't care as much anymore. He's deliberately been on the space station because he lost faith in what was going on. But in the Marvel's trailer, we see him. He's back in the leather jacket. He's back with the eye patch on. He seems to be back to the Nick Fury role. So that's why I was like, is that kind of a spoiler that? You know, we're expecting him to get back to the Nick Fury role in the series because we do see in the trailer that he's got the long leather coat on with the eye patch at some point walking into a room to face Gravik. Yeah. But it was maybe a bit of a spoiler. Like, do you think maybe then Nick Fury's story might come to an end in, say, something like Kang Dynasty? Because like he, he, like, Kang's well, going to have to come in and be a badass and that and kill off a few people. Yes. Whether we get new iterations of them in then Secret Wars, who knows? But do you think someone like... Nick Fury, like maybe Hawkeye, is primed to be killed off in something like Kang Dynasty to show Kang's power. For oh, sure. Yeah. People need to yes. die. People, mm, people yes. need to die in Kang there Dynasty. There needs to be the Avengers. Yeah. Coulson has <laughs> to have that death, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and we need so, to take but, it seriously. Like, yeah. we just, we do, but. Um... But I think he'll go out swinging. I think we'll have him leading the Avengers at least one more time. Because just to see the full group again under Nick Fury's master plan one more time. And then I think you're right. He will do a sacrifice death. He's getting old. And what a way to bring the Avengers together to finish Kang or whoever the villain is whenever he dies. To bring it back to your question, though. Yeah, I that 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 is a bummer for me. Uh, I wish I didn't see that in the Marvel's trailer because, you know, yeah, we don't know what timeline it is, but it does. It takes away that, you know, that that. Those stakes were there for this nick fury comeback we weren't sure how this was going to wrap up but again it doesn't 100 percent mean it but it does seem kind of weird it kind of it kind of takes away that um good lord i'm having a really tough time (laughs) spitting this sentence out but yeah it takes away a bit from the suspense of this season and his arc and i wish i didn't see that in that trailer yeah i agree i didn't i didn't think of that but he's totally full form eye patch yeah, he's not going to die, whereas like you really kind of feel like he's in big trouble right now, but mm. it's kind of alleviated. So let's... Uh, sorry, Caleb, did you have something to add on that one? I, I, I just still don't see the scroll story being solved in this one season. Mm. I mean, he's going to be back to form, but it's not a complete spoiler on the scroll story in him, you know. He's going to come back to form. I mean, it's... he's gonna. I mean, it's kind of obvious. He's going to come back to form like penultimate episode as jd likes to call it he could come and back and die though i don't no i don't i don't see them killing him in secret invasion season one nick fury is gonna, gonna be multiple seasons you don't think so i don't think so either no, they haven't said no. anything about that no i don't if think he'll do a are. movie like a scroll movie then or like captain marvel 3 with that kind of stuff i going on. i personally think they're gonna end it well they already did that they already so they've actually been dropping a lot of hints about the kree scroll war um in spider-man and in this thing but i think this whole thing is going to die off but there will be stragglers not every single scroll will be a limited but i think the main scroll conflict i think they're going to wrap it up in this season could could you imagine (laughs) if they mix a kree scroll war into this like a full-on like kree invades earth to wipe out the rest of the scrolls that'd be crazy be wild (laughs) 
might be something we, it, we, we be get wild. in the future. Say, say a Captain Marvel three, because True. Yeah, we, they've got they've got to wrap up what happened with you know, the the Cree with with Carol Danvers yeah. at some point. Mm-hmm. I feel like they left it untouched because she sent you know Jude Law, whatever his name was in that in that film, back yeah. to obviously the Cree, and so they're just still out there. So maybe mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the, the initial threat of Gravik and in, in, in the Council and wiped out in this particular series but the scrolls are still there and then maybe Cap- yeah, captain marvel 3 we get the kree turning up and going hey we want to finish the job and earth is caught in the middle of it and, and carol down like has to, to sit in there and, and help we've been talking like about it. it for years that we think in secret invasion specifically noel could show up he's the king of symbiotes <laughs> and it seems like it just ties directly into the story <laughs> no it's a running joke noel noel's gonna show up and everything yeah. we just theorized it's pretty much eric from new rockstar and his mephisto confirmed thing but for some reason we're just really stuck on noel making a cameo appearance in one of these things in our defense noel for for God or uh, God of Thunder, uh, oh, Love and Thunder. That's what it was. That's Love why and it Thunder. started. Mm. That's what right, sparked because of the Necro yeah. Sword. He's the creator of the right. Necro Sword. Right. <laughs> so speaking of uh, of other projects, then let's end the episode chatting about. Obviously, we, we know there's had a lot of stuff to come over the next three four years, even if things have been delayed by a year or two because of the writer strike and, and other things that are going on. We've still got to have a lot of projects to go through phase five and, and still, still unconfirmed projects, I think, for phase six and seven running up to those two big Avengers films. Um, but let's start off with, out of what we know is coming up, what is your least anticipated upcoming Marvel project? The thing that you don't really give that much of a crap about. You're going to watch it because it's the MCU stuff and you've got to stay in the know as we do as podcasters. But you, know, you could take it or leave it if you weren't having to watch it for, for reviewing stuff. Oh, I have one real quick. If you want me to tee off, Go, hit me with I it. think it's. I think all three of us are going to agree on Agatha, not Caleb. Caleb's hyped for Agatha, dude. I don't <laughs> think love... it's going to be bad. <laughs> I think yeah, I don't care about the Agatha yeah. show at all. I probably won't even watch I'm it. I'm not. Yeah, Wanda's I'm looking forward it, to it. Mephisto's in it too. No, that's Ironheart. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I Agatha is my answer. I'm not. I'm not interested in that one at all. Caleb, if if you're not if you're looking forward to, to Agatha, have you got anything else that you think is trash and you're not bothered about? I don't think it's going to be trash, but when it comes to like the hype surrounded about it, I'm not really that stoked oh, on God. Thunderbolts. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, really? I haven't seen Daredevil yet. I was going to freak out on you if you said Daredevil. <laughs> I actually thought about saying Daredevil just to piss you off, but <laughs> I would have kicked you the... off. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> and, yeah, the Mar- and the Marvels, too, probably. I don't think. Not I mean, super stupid. I, I like now. Captain Marvel more than the average Me nerd, too. but. I'm quite looking forward to the Marvels. Um, I was, I actually quite enjoyed the Ms. Marvel TV series. Um, okay. Even though, you know, it's not necessarily aimed at, you know, I'm not the kind of audience it was necessarily maybe aimed at, but I still right. find it quite refreshing, but different. There was some good lore in there, finding mm-hmm. out new things, you know, the, the bangle, is it connected to the Ten Rings? Yeah. Um, which is that are those then connected to Kang, as we, we saw similar in, like, uh, in the latest Batman film, Quantumania, we saw his sort of, like, in a city, some of the transportation rings looked a bit like the ten yes. rings, and are they all? We've got that obviously teaser in Ms. Marvel that that they're connected to the, the bangles, connected to the ten rings. So maybe it's all linked together. I'm actually, yeah. you know, I'm 
I'm not hyped for it, but I'm actually looking forward to, to watching it. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to see a bit more Monica Rambo as well, and yeah. we see her fully powered up as well. So, but yeah, I'm I'm on the floor with you guys on Agatha. I don't care about this character. I didn't need an extra TV <laughs> yes. series. Like, just let her sit in a in a mind warp state at the end of WandaVision right. and and that be it. You know don't yeah. know what the hell Marvel are thinking about it. and it's not even going to be set in the like the one times is it it's I think, I think it's like it's... a prequel series or something uh-huh. yeah I think it's like the, the Pilgrim Salem era. Salem yeah. Witch Trials <laughs> yeah that's what, just... that's what the fans are crying care. out for a bit of Salem Witch Trials <laughs> exactly. in the MCU <laughs> right. I just don't know who asked for it and even Miss Marvel like I hated She-Hulk I'm not going to get into that but Miss Marvel had interesting lore in it and it had a story to tell still even if it wasn't aimed at me either and it wasn't it wasn't like my favorite show. I didn't rate it super high, but there was still good stuff to it. There was still good writing to it. There was cool lore that came out of it, like you said. But man, Agatha, I, I ain't nothing, nothing for it. Yeah, I can't. I, I mean, obviously, we hope it's going to be decent, and I obviously still will watch it. But I, I use the word dumpster fire more and more nowadays, and I get the feeling that this is going to be one of those <laughs> that that's comes under that label for me. Unfortunately, Not, don't want to right. prejudge it. Fingers crossed it's really good and it's entertaining. It's something very different. But if it's not connected to the here and now of the MCU, I don't see why we why we need a, a show set 500 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, I, Wanda's going to be in it, at least the finale. Well, not if it's in the Pilgrim era. It'll jump around. It'll jump around, yeah. I'd like an answer. It should have been a special presentation, though. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. Werewolf at Night, highly slept on. Oh like, my god! Not, not talked about enough. It was loved amazing. It. Really good. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, it was just because you said special presentation. My mind jumped. Right. That. Someone <laughs> else had mentioned to me um, earlier this week that you know, Werewolf by Night was is highly slept upon. It's not talked about enough. Is one of the best projects that they've done in recent times. I'm really surprised. More stuff like that as just, like a little one-off just thing. It. Assuming we're going to see going to yeah. see these characters again, it's mm-hmm. not just a one-off and done for them, yeah. is it? So yeah. We've talked about our least anticipated upcoming projects then. Let's go to what our most is. The one thing you're looking forward to more than anything else over the next sort of three, four, four years. What is it? Let's start with um, Caleb. Give me your one. I think I'm going to have to go with Deadpool. Like, it's he, they're bringing him into the MCU for the first time. And just all the rumors and leaks that are coming out about that movie are insane. Like, we, obviously, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman is confirmed. And just, you know, there's, I don't know how deep you want to get into rumors on this podcast, but there's a lot of stuff <laughs> going on. And I, I think it's just going to, and it's a perfect kind of flashpoint for the MCU where they can just kind of have fun and reset things and go forward for King Dynasty and Secret mm-hmm. Wars after that. Because it's the start of one of the, it's the end of phase five. So yeah. after that, it's, game on for secret wars i mean i i rate the rumors that go on associated with the cameos in this film to that of say multiverse of madness because there was all sorts of rumors going around that we were going to get Tobey Maguire spider-man and he was going to be killed off by wonder um and things like that so you've got to take i think a few of the rumors with a pinch of salt oh of course um, of course but knowing it's going to be a multiversal film still opens the doorway to I think, like, obviously the most recent rumor being that Ben Affleck's Daredevil is going to make an appearance because yeah. he's been supposed yeah. to be spotted on set. Um, yeah, I think it's a great one. You said that it's the end of Phase 5. Isn't Thunderbolts the end of Phase 5? Changed it. Uh, 
they switched Most recently it. they had well they okay. had blade and deadpool but blade or blades who knows if that'll ever happen but yeah the last i read it was supposed uh, to be the recently end of was phase. deadpool 3 expected to close out phase five because um, they've moved their pull up until what was it like May next year or something? Six months. That's oh, true. So that's Thunder true. Thunderbolts doesn't come out to the end of next year, isn't it? So you're right. Yeah, still Every, still what, they moved it up a few weeks ago. Mm. You're it right. Supposed to they changed it Son to close out Phase Four, and they're saying it's going to be the Avengers movie of Phase Four because it's going to be a big team of <laughs> rogues and the you know whatever. But I'm phase Four about Thunderbolts because yeah. I love. That's already over. Say what? Yeah, phase four, we're already, Sorry, we're already, we're already in phase five. Whatever this yeah. phase is, okay. But the Warren Ellis, yeah, phase five yeah. Norman Osborn, Dark Avengers. I love that stuff. I wonder, Andy, have you read that stuff? Because I kind of <laughs> think that's where they might be going, I'm hoping. Not with Norman Osborn specifically. Yeah, not... yeah. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see um, to, to see what we put together with them. But JD, what's going to be your most anticipated upcoming project so for marvel specifically or can i branch out yeah okay so marvel is daredevil marvel specifically daredevil for sure is mm. my most anticipated coming up here because i love that netflix show and it and it sounds like you know we obviously have matt murdoch i mean uh charlie cox back and it might be rated r that's crazy i loved kingpin so much kingpin's back and yeah i'm really excited for daredevil 18 episodes dude yeah it's a lot it's wild um, I was chatting to, I think, I can't remember if it was my guest last week or, or maybe um, Lee from Lights Camera Rant when we were reviewing this. Um, so I'll ask your guys' opinion on it. Obviously, the whole point of um, the, with the fact that Daredevil is going to be 18 episodes long. And if they do an episode per week, that means we're going to be reviewing it for four and a half months. So <laughs> would you prefer that they're doing an episode a week with this and we can review it for, for for so long? Or would you prefer they dropped, say, two episodes a week? So did it because they said that it's going to be about 30 minutes an episode. So, you know, do, would you think it's better if they dropped, say, two episodes a week? Or would you prefer the, the way that they go of Echo, where they're going to drop all the episodes in one go? Which Which format would you think is best for something that's going to be the longest MCU show that we've ever had? As a fan, I want all 18 episodes a month early. But from a business perspective, I feel like you just carry out the conversation the more you put it out. So they probably want to keep the conversation running, go week by week. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm really excited for Echo to binge the whole thing. I would love to binge the whole 18 episodes of mm. Daredevil. But that's not going to happen. It's going to be exciting. I'm obviously super excited for the Punisher. We know John Berthold's coming back to play him as well. Yes. So, so King, Kingpin, Punisher, and Daredevil together. Oh. It's going to be amazing. I don't think I want them all dropped at the same time. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm I've, you know, on social media for our podcast page. And constant spoilers. Wednesday morning, Secret Invasion. Maria Hill's death was spoiled to me. As <laughs> soon as I opened up Instagram at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, it was like, it just came out like <laughs> so i don't want people dropping stuff from episode 18 for weeks on end because if i can't binge 18 episodes i'm going to get it spoiled so hmm. selfishly i would rather them maybe do two at a time or at least portion it maybe part one at a time you know whatever the case may be but it is pretty wild thinking about how long that's going to drag on well not we i'm, I'm not going to say drag on how long that's going <laughs> to last uh, one episode a week but yeah because there's going to be filler episodes. Like you can't have 18 episodes of just maybe, bangers, action, yeah. climax. You've never like, watched Daredevil yeah. before, <laughs> dude. No. Oh. no, you're probably right. Yeah. No, they have 18 so episodes. I would like to for see them at least 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see. They should at least do like a three episode <laughs> release to start. And then maybe do one oh, a yeah. week after that. Let mm. people kind of dig in first. That's but fair. still, fifteen weeks. That's you know they got they got to move on to the next thing in the phase. Can't have one show going on for three and a half months. <laughs> yeah. But just because it's a conversation I did have last week from a podcaster's point of view, you know, mm-hmm. like like you mentioned, David, you know, even if as podcasters we're trying to watch stuff as quickly as possible when it comes out to make sure it's not spoiled for us. You know, is it going to be difficult to review something like Echo where it does all drop at once? How quickly can you sit and binge all the episodes? Right. How long do you wait before you start putting spoilers on your page for your for your viewers and your listeners? You know, how quickly do you review it? Do you give people a chance to watch it? Do you give them a week? Do you give them a month before you start reviewing it? You know, it's yeah. a difficult one for us. And I think I've given it like two weeks before I sit down on my schedule. That I've got planned uh, out because we've got a busy schedule for the rest of the year. Let's face it. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we've got this running through. We get a little bit of a break in August. So I think that's where I've got like The Witcher Part One and Two for, put into my schedule uh, to review with Blue Beetle, yeah. and then we roll onto Ahsoka. Ahsoka rolls into Loki. There's like two or three weeks when they cross over. But yeah. I think I said I've even got one week where I scheduled in, in the same episode to review an episode of Ahsoka, Loki, and Craven the Hunter. So that's wild. I know it's going to be so much more. It's going to be like a four hour episode, but, <laughs> <laughs> but where do you guys stand as podcasters on the whole thing of like, you know, when they do drop a series all at once, like Netflix does versus having a, a weekly episodic show, uh, episodic show where you get a chance to sit down, watch it a couple of times, do the you, your podcast for it. Where do you guys stand on the difference between the two? Yeah, I'm with you there. I, as a podcaster, I, if I, if we weren't doing this, I'd be way more down for it to all drop at once. But just thinking about, like you said, great points, trying to schedule all of that out and plan to release it without getting stuff spoiled. It stresses me out thinking about it. So, because <laughs> I'm just trying to think of obviously the listeners on it. Like when you, when you start posting some spoilers, do you break it up into chunks? Which way to go about it? And then it's just like, mm. I'm just going to have to do it in one go, really. And give yeah. everyone a little bit of time to watch it because you know, not everyone's going to binge it the first day or even necessarily the first week. So that's why, personally, I've been right. like, give me, I'll give it a couple of weeks. And, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I because obviously, I know some people that obviously do film reviews where they review the film the same day it's come out. You know, right. the, them and their guests will go and watch it that morning and they're, they're reviewing it that evening straight away. I, right. I, I mean, it's just the way I do it. I try, I try and give a week in between the films come out, <laughs> give people the chance to see it. Otherwise, they, might not come and listen and they'll, they'll forget about there's an episode to review it. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. Yeah. But either way, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, I mean, I am super hyped for Daredevil. It's going to be obviously one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I think I can't wait really, wait really to get to, you know, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I'm very impatient about getting to that um, simply because, and obviously maybe some controversy with Jonathan Majors, but say he stays on as Kang. I've loved what he's done with Kang so far and he who oh, yeah. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that moving forward. And as we mentioned, there's going to have to be some deaths in Kang Dynasty. Um so I'm really hoping to see some some big hitting things come out of those films. And and they're gonna be, you know, they're Avengers films. We won't have had an Avengers film since 2019 at that point. So it's going to be uh, going to be big hit. I'm excited for the for the future because we know we're getting X Men. We're going to get Fantastic Four. Oh. It's it's you know breathing new life into what people have said is maybe a bit of a tired Marvel sort of roster at this point. Yeah, up. I think they have one more chance to capture the Phase One through Three magic, and that's with X Men Fantastic Four and a big climax for that. So we we could have a good ten years of amazing Marvel stuff. We'll see. 
Absolutely. Guys, I really, really appreciate you coming on uh, this week and having a really nice long chat through um, about the MCU and obviously Secret uh, Invasion. It's going to be interesting to see how the series folds out. Um, tell everyone at home exactly where we can find you on social media. Yeah, um, you can find us Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all at Why So Sidious Pod. Um, we're on there pretty consistently. Um, got polls, you know. Got a bunch of listener questions, all that stuff, and we got an ongoing uh, box office draft going. If you, you know, we we put that on our social media as well. But all three of us, we had a draft at the start of the year, and we drafted all the box office movies or top five box office movies each coming out, and whoever has the highest total uh, wins a thousand dollars, and the other two have to get tattoos on their foreheads. So uh, it's a pretty <laughs> low key, you know, low stakes game we got going on over there. But yeah, you can follow all along all throughout the year over on our social media um and send in requests whatever you want to do yeah, we're 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 hoping to get more people interacting with us every day mm. i mean you guys seem to have a lot of low stakes games going on whether it's tattoos on the forehead or people leaving the podcast <laughs> if they're not right so yeah. <laughs> we're just a pretty chill group of guys you yeah. know yeah, not taking it too seriously it's all it's fine um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I'll be back next week when I'll be talking, obviously, Episode 3, Secret Invasion, and I'll probably be having a bit of a chat about the new Indiana Jones film as well. So tune in then. Uh, but until next time, everyone, take care.